Hey, Business Building Warrior, welcome to the weekend update. If you're listening to this episode right when it came out, it's Saturday. And what we like to do on Saturdays is still work. A lot of us work six days and rest one. Hey, good enough for God, good enough for us. That's the way he created the whole universe, right? So we're working on a Saturday, sure, but why not take along a great update, a podcast episode that we've gone back and reviewed from maybe two weeks, six weeks, six months ago. We've got hundreds of great interviews. So what we do on the weekends is we go back, we find those great episodes that maybe slipped past your radar or some of those great insights and tips and strategies from some of the successful students and just kind of break it down into little easily digested nuggets for your weekend update. So that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to dive into that in just a moment after I make a couple of announcements. First, if you haven't got a free copy yet of the brand new, all new, our 11th update of the Silent Sales Machine book. This is the book that started this podcast. It started our community, the 73,000 members of our free Facebook group, our incredible events. It all started because I sat down about 20 years ago and wrote a book over a weekend. It was actually just a PDF report at the time. And it took off. And it started this incredible movement that is now thousands of business building warriors all over the world. It wasn't because of anything that I did. I was just making some observations and sharing what others had taught me. I kind of compiled the information into one place with the premise of, hey, you can use the internet to grow the business of your dreams. And here's the rules I'm kind of discovering. Here's some of the things you should avoid I was discovering. And there's a group of us, we just kind of compiled this information and kept learning new things. Well, I've updated it and the 11th update is now available. All the stuff you should avoid, the legitimate opportunities that are available to you, the mindset that's required in order to tackle these opportunities, a lot of very specific strategic advice on using the internet to launch and grow the business of your dreams, multiple income streams, using the internet creatively. That's the book. So go to silentsalesmachine.com and you can see more about it. Or you can text the word free, that's F-R-E-E, to this phone number. It'll be in the show notes as well today. The phone number is 507-800-0090. Now, if you happen to live outside the United States or Canada, that might not work for you. So just email our support team. There's a link at silentgym.com and say, hey, heard Jim make that free offer. Assuming the free offer is still around, which it will expire at some point. But now as we're launching the book, we wanted to give it away for free. That's a great opportunity for you. So there's that. And I also want to remind you, if you're new around here, this podcast is the supporting podcast for the leading Amazon seller training in the industry. I'm talking about the Proven Amazon course at provenamazoncourse.com. It's the longest running Amazon seller training in the industry with more success stories than any other, a bigger support team. There's about a hundred of us that support that course. All kinds of creative modules for every level of Amazon seller experience. You, if, if you know nothing about Amazon, you know nothing about e-commerce, we got you. If you've already got a 50,000, 100,000, a million dollar a month business, there's ideas in there I guarantee you have never been exposed to that could improve your business. So for $39 a month, RuvenAmazonCourse.com gets you a library of content that grows with you. We believe in just in time education, which means right when you need it, we got that next thing that you need and it's in there. And then we've got our free Facebook group support community at silentgym.com that's there to help you as well if you want to check that out. So that's the introduction for 
this weekend update. Let's go find out what the team has put together for us today. Enjoy this episode. We'll have brand new episodes for you starting at the beginning of the week. So don't miss those. Hey, have a great weekend. God bless you, warrior. Let's jump into the content. So Heather, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be here. Thanks for taking time with me today. Oh, outstanding. I really appreciate your time. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more of your story. I read a little bio, but I don't know many details. So let's dive in. Sure. Yeah. Originally, uh, my first experience with e-commerce, um, and this this will certainly age me, but back in like 1998, I discovered eBay and that was the hot thing at the time. And yep. it was amazing to me that, you know, anything around the house I could auction, start it for 99 cents and then eagerly await Sunday night and right. see um, see the auctions closing. And um, yeah. it was so long ago that, um, you know, People sent you cash and money orders in the mail, and there wasn't even PayPal at that point in time. I so, totally remember those days. And so you remember like yeah. when PayPal was paying the $5 for referrals. Did you ever make any money on that? I made a few bucks referring people to <laughs> PayPal. <laughs> yeah, I don't recall that, but I remember it was very exciting when it came out because it was an easy way to uh, get payment quicker. So, yeah. I mean, just to hang, hang in that territory for just a moment, I mean, I remember having to talk my buying customers into the fact that, yeah, you can... You can trust this. It works. And even when people started using credit cards online, it was like all nervous. Like, is this legitimate? Am I going to get my identity stolen by buying something online? It was crazy. Those early pioneer days, right? Yeah, it was. And I think about now how we source today versus then, you know, I would just go to a garage sale on Saturday and you're blind. You know, you you can't look up comps until you get home. You you're just blind. And so you're making, you know, gut, you know, gut decisions. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. yeah. So it was a great fun hobby, and I did that uh, for a few years. And then, um, as my career progressed, then you know, kind of got away from from that. I was you know in and out of eBay over the years, um, but not not serious about it until recent years. I, I did get back into it, but um, and then uh, you know progressed with a long career in manufacturing operations. So. Um, okay. Started out, you know, in an engineering role, moved over into the manufacturing side, and I've ran multiple manufacturing plants as a plant manager. Wow! And then also held continuous improvement roles. So um, definitely, wow. that preparation okay. of running a plant is, you know, very similar to running your own business. You know, I, I come from that background. I don't know if you're aware, or if you've ever heard me mention it before, like the old Six Sigma and mm-hmm. Edward Deming is one of my heroes, and mm-hmm. you know, the whole. Uh, constant improving processes. I, I had a, a statistics was my minor in college. And of all the time I wasted learning stuff that was completely irrelevant to my to the real world, actually the stuff I picked up with statistics and the continuous improvement, those kind of concepts have really kind of shaped my leadership style and the way I run a business as well. Um, uh, you, you know, you, if you, uh, you can't improve a process unless you're tracking <laughs> the numbers for that process, right? That was ingrained into me. Know the numbers. And to this day, that serves our community well, I think, because it's one of the core messages we, you know, pound into people is know your numbers. So yeah, that, kinda, that that was planted in me from that that background of continuous improvement. Yeah, I agree. And I discovered continuous improvement a little late in my college journey. I wish I would have learned about it sooner because I would have probably changed my major. But then when I got into my career, learned about Six Sigma, but um, mm-hmm. definitely what measures, what, what gets measured gets improved. So I think as Amazon sellers, for instance, you know, if you want your sales to increase, you know, how are you going to measure 
the inputs to that. So for me, that's my spending. Am I spending enough each week, each month to make sure that I'm achieving those sales goals that I have? Yeah, it really can be that simple. I mean, I, I've heard many successful sellers in our community say, if I want to make $1,000 profit, mm-hmm. I go spend $1,000. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to get paid about a month from now. And, and that's yeah. just, you know, it, you, you can kind of start to, and that's an oversimplification, but once you're good at finding the right inventory, that's kind of about right. I'm going to spend $1,000 on stuff that's going to sell for 3000 And by the time all the fees and expenses come out of that, I've paid for my inventory. There's an extra thousand still sitting there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the game. And, and a lot of people know, who was it that said one time, like, I'm not coming home till I spend $1,000. That's what I do. I go out <laughs> and I spend a thousand on good inventory. I'm not coming home till it's done. Some days it's two hours. Some days it's eight, but it's kind of a neat approach. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, please continue your story. I could nerd off into that land, bringing back memories. I haven't mentioned names like Deming and Duran in years. So it's someone who else who recognizes kind of those heroes of that movement. It's interesting. Yeah, sometime we'll have to uh, have, a, have a good long conversation on that. Absolutely. And, that, was, yeah. that really kind of shaped my leadership. Yeah. And, uh, you know, reading and learning about those guys and then the Toyota production system. And that led me into lean manufacturing and um, which paired well with my manufacturing career. So I've always got a lot of enjoyment about, you know, with working in manufacturing, you're making, you know, you're making a widget that you sell to somebody. So there's a lot of parallels, you know, even though I'm just purchasing the widget to sell to somebody and then building the team and then how do you get better and better and better and use those continuous improvement techniques. Yeah, so it served you well. Mm-hmm. It has. That's it great. has. Great to um, hear. Sounds like we've yeah. had a pretty similar journey so far. It's kind of eerie. It's like you're the female version of my experience. Of this, like, because <laughs> I came from, you know, my first job out of school was because of my background in statistics and continuous improvement, Six Sigma, all of that. And I was kind of the guy that brought that in to the company I worked for. It was kind of a manufacturer, and I, mm-hmm. I drifted quickly away. I need to be around people. I'm an introvert who really, really likes and enjoys being around people and needs that. And so sales was a better fit for me. And I kind of drifted into technology from there. And then it's been 20 years ago since I did any of that. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's served me very well. Those roots have served me well, for sure. This is your story today. So let's keep it rocking. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so as my career progressed, you know, it's, uh, it's, a lot of uh, a lot of work running manufacturing plants, and there's a lot of a lot of hours and a lot of stress and all of that. So, you know, over the years, I think there there became a point when I wanted to find something different, and I couldn't 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 figure it out, couldn't figure it out. But that was always in the back of my mind for several years. That, you know, I've done this for a long time. I know a lot. There's still a lot I enjoy about it, but I'd really like to do something different. So, you know, then over time you know, life gets difficult. You know, you spend a lot of time apart and I had a marriage that broke up and then that was the year before COVID and then COVID hit and we were, of course, essential workers. So, you know, we worked through COVID all day, every day. And with my role, I even started travel. I was traveling for my company during COVID, which was even more challenging. Yeah. Um, So, you know, going through COVID, I had got COVID while I was on the road and, uh, had a lot of just a lot of brain fog issues and just uh, you know challenges after that. So a lot of tough times. And then um, I decided that uh, you can you can imagine with COVID, 
there was a lot of change rapidly and the change was always changing. And so when the you're rules trying were to changing and the circumstances were yes. changing, who you could trust was changing and yeah, yes. relationships, you know, I still, I feel like we're in recovery. I've said this a few times on other episodes, just hearing you, you listen to anybody tell their stories of 2020 mm-hmm. and, you know, the surrounding months on either side, just some heartbreaking, challenging and I'm so sorry for what you went through. And I, I think it deserves to be recognized to even this point. Good job, warrior. I mean, look at you. Yeah. You know, that's why I call us business building warriors. The stories like this, like you could rightfully be just curled up in a little ball somewhere, like waiting for it all to go away kind of thing. But you're not, you're plowing forward. And I, I kind of know the end of the story, the listeners don't yet, but you've built a beautiful business and you've recovered from, you know, the challenges that could have otherwise pinned you down. Not that you've, you know, everything's sunshine and roses now. I'm just saying you've recovered to the point where you can build. Yeah, definitely. Kudos yeah. to you for that. Because any, yeah, any business requires work, blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice, risk. And that has to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you found it. So good, good yeah. on you. Good yeah, job. there were days when you know I was traveling and I remember being in a manufacturing plant one day and one of the, uh, one of the workers in the facility had actually passed away from COVID. And then they made that announcement to the plant that day. And I remember going to my hotel room that night and just, you know, kind of wondering, what is this all really about? You know, it's, yeah. it was really tough. So, so that really wore me out. And so I decided, you know, with the company I was with to take a, a different role within our corporate offices versus being on the manufacturing side. And hindsight being 2020, I made that move probably for the wrong reasons. And I found very quickly that I wasn't very well suited you know, be in the corporate arena and the politics and it's more about how you're perceived versus what you actually do. You traded production for politics and that's not an easy leap, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) At the end of the day, you can see what you've done and made mm -hmm. tangible. Like, you look what we accomplished versus the politics and just the the jockeying for position and the decision-making conflicts, you know, that's just a different world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's been about a year doing that. I knew I need to give it at least that amount of time, but then made the decision that, you know, I'm going to make a change. And I went back, left that company, briefly went to another company running a manufacturing plant. And the culture was so toxic that one day I just said, you know what, I, I'm done. I, it's time. This is my sign. I just need to make this change for myself. Wow. And so I knew I had good financial reserves. I'm it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm done. And so, you know, I went home and within a few days, I, you know, set up an LLC, got my EIN number. I was focusing on eBay really heavy at that point in time. You know, during during the COVID days, I discovered online auctions and I would source for eBay and was having a lot of fun just flipping things there. Uh, but sometime in that month of, of March of 2022, I, as I was trying to evaluate my life situation, I found your podcast somewhere along the way. You know, I... Because I had been through every YouTube and podcast on side hustles and passive income and yada, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the Amazon side, of course, you know, initially found the private, private label, label YouTube guy. videos. Yep. And it just didn't make sense to me. You know, I'm not creative. I don't know what product I want to do. No, you're smart. And, you know, <laughs> the logistics of bringing all that from China. And it's going to be months and months well, and months. So I'm like, I knew it wasn't going to be... Your, from your background, yeah. you had enough business intelligence to go, wait a second, there's a yeah. lot of moving parts here. That's a lot of money at risk before I ever hope to see a return someday. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, so many people fall into that trap and it's tragic. 
yeah. which is why that's that's very advanced stuff in our community, mm-hmm. private label. So yeah, good on you. Well, that's cool that you you kind of stumbled around and you were smart enough to kind of check things out at a surface level before you dove all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many people go from shiny object to shiny object, diving in and and just kind of spreading out their time, attention, and money. And this walk away a year later going, oh, it's all a scam, rather than really looking for, you know, and, and this is the litmus test. You may have heard me say it before, Heather, but I think for folks who are listening to your story today, this is a valuable time to insert a little lesson. If you're looking at business opportunities online or any anywhere in the real, real world, look for a community of people who you can join for free and hang out and talk about the business with people who've been doing it for years successfully and the challenges and the reality and the transparency and the leaders are actually doing the business and have been for a long time. If it doesn't have that community with a positive vibe and an abundance mindset, run. And I've just eliminated 98% of the business opportunities you will ever consider because you should be running for most of them. There's a (laughs) lot of scary garbage out there. Uh, So I'm proud of what we've got. Uh, and, and I'm glad that it resonated with you as you were kind of experimenting through, uh, you know, some different options there. Yeah, I definitely lurked in the Facebook community and listened to podcasts for probably about a month before I signed up for PAC. And, you know, I'm, I'm very conservative when it comes to making a business decision. So, you know, I want to make sure I was in the right place and uh, signed up for PAC, you know, because again, it was a very, you know, low cost, low risk, money back guarantee if you don't like it. And, you know, then there's just so much content within PAC. So, you know, really, really got in and enjoyed getting started with that. And, uh, you know, it, then again, it took me another month to get my first shipment into Amazon in May, but, uh, but that's, you know, how I got in pretty quick though. That's, I mean, you can tell you're a motivated self-starter, like, Hey, I'm in now. Let's go. I talked to someone at our event here a few weeks ago that it has, they bought the proven Amazon course and hadn't done anything with it in five years. They hadn't seen mm-hmm. in a shipment yet. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think I'm going kind of slow, kind of joking. Like, yeah, that's about as slow <laughs> as I've ever heard. <laughs> but they just love the community and they feel like they've benefited from the community in many ways and the creativity and the encouragement, but they hadn't sent a shipment in yet. <laughs> so yeah, a month in, that's pretty fast, actually. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as I was contemplating my my life journey at that point in time, I still needed to go, right? I, I couldn't take too much time to figure out my path. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, started with pack and shipping and shipments in parallel. I did start doing some consulting work out of state, actually in Indiana. I was driving through Indianapolis twice a week. And so oh, really, did you yeah. wave as you went by? Yeah. We're on the I, south I, I side did. Here. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, certainly I had about 12 hours of window time, uh, a week to listen to podcasts. So big podcasts and audiobooks and your content and, and others and, and, that I just kept absorbing that Amazon information while I was building my business. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, great. So the consulting had to do with your previous line of work, I take it. It did. Um, someone that I had worked for previously had a need for some continuous improvement help in a plant that was struggling a little bit. And so I came gotcha. in to do that and then did an interim plant manager role for them as well when they had a gap. So I it was you. Uh, you know good to do that and you know, help, help out somebody, somebody in need and, and work while I'm, I'm building a, my business. I'm a huge fan of the consultant model. I think it just so, it, it reflects so nicely. And we encourage people in the Amazon space even to very quickly transition into calling themselves an expert mm-hmm. and letting people know they're available and the, the paid gigs that come your way, the brands that need assistance. There's, there's no, 
body or board or certification process out there. You just say, yeah, I, I've sold on Amazon. I, I know the landscape. I'm in a community of people that live, eat, breathe, and sleep this stuff. And you're a brand that's trying to make and sell stuff. So here I am. Let me help. And that can turn into a viable business very quickly, very early on. We have some people that kind of start there. They only sell a few things themselves on Amazon. They understand the landscape. Mm-hmm. And so since you mentioned consulting, I thought I'd throw that out there. Just another way to monetize this journey. But yeah, that's yeah I'm great. definitely open to those options. I have no desire to go back to a regular W-2, 9 to 5 job. Or, you know, I haven't missed it once. Our journeys <laughs> are similar. I'm 20 yeah. years out now and mm-hmm. haven't once woke up in the morning and thought, man, I wish I could just go to work and get a paycheck instead of doing this. <laughs> not one, not even for a briefest of moments have I had that thought. I haven't missed it. And, and I made a more desperate leap than it sounds like you did financially speaking. Mm-hmm. We, were pre- we were pretty tight, but I was all in. So here we are, you know, a year and a half into your journey. Uh, to, as of today, as we're recording this, you've made some great progress, but let, let's keep your story going. So, you know, you, you sent in your first shipment. How'd that yeah. go for you? Was it replens? Were you following the replens model? Yeah, I started off, um, you know, based on the pack course, I had some, Good. some Walgreen branded CVS branded target branded, you know, a few things like that, that I would find. And, you know, the occasional clearance item, I wasn't, that wasn't going to be my model, but you know, you want to, you want to pick up the $20 bills when you find them. Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, just kind of learning and went through that struggle that so many people do of you're new and, you know, oh, I'm gated and everything mm-hmm. and I can't find any ASINs and, mm-hmm. you know, it just gets better with time and you, you've got to learn Keepa and you got to got to work with it more. And, you know, Brian and Robin's content is, is great for that. But yeah, just starting with the basics of that. And then, you know, I was traveling almost every week during that, that summer. So when I had a long drive, I would you know, like at that time I had a couple, a couple of my first ASINs were from Rural King. And so I would stop at multiple Rural Kings between St. Louis and, and Indiana and mm-hmm. pick up a few replens either on the way there or on the way home and, you know, just made it work. But, uh, and then in July I hit my first $10,000 month. So, um, okay. You started in March, April, May, June, July, four months later, you're hitting 10,000. Yeah. <laughs> you went, you went after it. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's a real benchmark for us around here when someone hits ten thousand in sales, because it's kind of like you know how to to use. Uh, you mentioned Brian and Robin Joy. You know how to ride a two wheel vehicle now. We could change that bike into a moped or maybe even a motorcycle. Like you know how to balance. You you got this thing. You you've you've validated it. You know what it looks like. Now let's just build a bigger machine and maybe put someone else on that machine even. Uh, so that's fantastic. Yeah, 10,000 within four months is, is really getting after it. And mm-hmm. you were working another gig at the same time. So you were really kind of, you were multitask mode for sure. I was. I even, um, you know, some of the weeks I would take my little tote with my Rolo printer and my labels and poly bags. And I would, did some shipments from the hotel, you know, I would source on the way up and and mm-hmm. source there and send a shipment out while I was there. So, you know, I was I was doing it all. And um, but I knew, you know, my consulting gig was only going to have a certain amount of time. And so in August, I made the decision, you know, to start with coaching um just to help me get there faster because it was um it, by that point in time, I really realized that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to find another job. 
you know, I had done some interviewing, looked at some things and just didn't find the right thing. And I kept coming back to, I don't want to do this. So uh, yeah, started with coaching in August and being on the road, it was really hard to get enough hours to source manually um, and get enough ASINs to keep building, building, building. So, you know, I definitely wanted to get into the online arbitrage. And so Tori Knudsen is my coach mm-hmm. and she's, she's wonderful. And she really helped. She taught, you know, taught me TA and got me down, going down that path. That was such a game changer for me because then I could start some scans on NTA in the morning before I went to the plant, go to the plant and work all day, come back to my hotel room at night, do some online sourcing and buying, have it delivered to my home. And then I'd get home on the weekend and do a shipment. So so that was that was really a game changer. So, you know, with Tori and then, you know, then in that October, by October, I was at 20K a month. And then was, you know, between that 20 and 25 through through Q4. Um, and I didn't go crazy. Like Q4, I did a lot of FBM um, of some seasonal things. You know, Black Friday, I bought all this and then sold it FBM out of my house. And mm-hmm. but you know, I didn't go crazy with with toys or Christmas items, et cetera, you know, tried to stick as much replens as I could um, with some of the bonus, you know, great sale inventory that I could, that I could turn. Again, it's hard to walk past those 20 and $50 bills just sitting there during peak seasons like that. Right. Uh, But that's not the primary model. Yeah. And and it doesn't scale, you know, it's feast or famine. You don't know what you're going to get, but yeah. So that's, that's, I tend to advise new students, especially don't be too distracted by the seasonal, the sale, the clearance, like that's just going to pull you off course and get you busy running on that hamster wheel, you know, kind of cranking out, you know, a little bit of profit for for your time, but you're not building a system that can be automated and turned over to other people. And keep your eye on that prize, ideally. And that's where I kind of see you heading, you know, with your story so far. Uh, I do, you mentioned TA, which is tactical arbitrage. We'll stick a link in the show notes. We've got a good discount on that software. But did you go through the OA simplified training? Did Tori take you through that or, or expose you to that by any chance? Yes, I have been through um, that training. I worked with Tori first and then, you know, then went through the OA simplified gotcha. training. So, was it, yeah. did you find that helpful? Because it, that's where they really dove in, or had Tori kind of already explained that to you? Tori had done a lot of that with me, but it was, you know, more icing on the cake going through that training. So, um, and I'm using, you know, tactical arbitrage plus tactical expander, right. you know, which Leah really talked about in the, in the OA simplified. So, right. you know, those are, those are my tools of choice today. Gotcha. Yeah. I just want to make sure people know that that's one of the modules inside the proven Amazon mm-hmm. course. If you're listening today, you're like, what's OA simplified? That's where we teach online arbitrage, online sourcing strategies. And as Heather just mentioned, you know, rather than going into stores, she found her schedule was more accommodating to shop you know, at night online, that sort of thing. Great benefits to doing both. But when it comes to online arbitrage, the OA Simplified module inside the Proven Amazon course is, is fantastic. It takes a little bit of time to study and learn. You don't pick it up in a couple hours. You got to kind of dig in and experiment. But once you understand TA and uh, those OA strategies, it, it can be a beautiful thing. And many people swear by it in our community. Actually, on my team, we don't do a whole lot of that, though. We just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't use TA at all. But I would right. say on our coaching team, which is 60 coaches, probably 15 or 20 of them love TA, swear by it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest of us are like, eh, take it or leave it. It's kind of that way with a lot of tools, though, in our community. The only tool that's not that way, and you mentioned it, Heather, is Keepa. And across the board, 100%, top to bottom, if you talk to the most, if you, if you got the 1,000 top students in our community together and said, do you use Keepa? They would all say, absolutely, yes. Are you kidding me? 
so that's unquestionable. So go back. If you don't know what Keepa is, you're listening to the show today, go back and listen to episode 369 of this podcast, 369. It explains why Keepa is so vital to the process. And I'm sure Heather uses it all day, every day, just like the rest of us, uh, to make good inventory decisions. Uh, it gives you details you can't get elsewhere. It's the bottom line. But all right, to continue your story. So you're hitting 20K. I mean, you hit 10K for the first time a few months in. And then a few months later, you're hitting 20. And then it's Q4. So you're finding some, you know, some bonus items that you're flipping pretty fast. It's it's the, you know, pretty easy to make money month of November, November, December, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can flip a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, so, you know, you tapped into that, but once reality set back in January, February of this year, you know, we're talking just a few months ago at this point, you know, how did 2023 kick off for you? January was still strong. I was still at the same sales level through January. Mm-hmm. Also in January, I started using a prep center. So okay. um, one thing Tori is really good about as my coach is, you know, when I'm dragging my feet on going to the next thing that I need to do in my business. She's very good at challenging me and pushing me. So that's what a coach does. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And uh, so started with the prep center in January, um, February, I saw a drop in sales primarily because then I had to make that shift, right? If I'm going to use a prep center, I've got to get enough units to them. So the OA sourcing has to be a bigger priority than some of the RA sourcing I was doing. So to get that prep center, you know, filled up and and running smoothly with, you know, good volume every week, it was a, you know, shift in how I was sourcing and how much time I was devoting to what sourcing methods. Uh, Because today I still, I source manually. I, you know, when you say manual, you're saying retail. When you say we're just not using tactical arbitrage, it could be either retail or online, online. but you know, manually sourcing using keep a product finder, for instance, Mm -hmm. if I'm on the computer, um, whether I'm storefront stocking or I'm searching a brand or I'm, you know, digging deeper into a specific website that I want to source, you know, I'll, you know, use keep a product finder. And, and use that to help in that sourcing. Or I can source in a store too. I'm not as big. I don't love spending a day in a store. I'm horrifically awful at taking pictures and then coming home and actually opening up the pictures and uh, you know doing the research at home with pictures. So, right. Um, well, that, that happens to be my favorite way. Like I just mm-hmm. send me a picture from a store shelf and make sure I can see the barcode and see the ounces, see the size of the item, whatever. Like, I can just sit there and multitask and find replens like crazy. That happens to be my favorite way to do it. I'm kind of yeah. old school in that regard, but I guess, but um, yeah. So people just, I love how different personalities and different styles, there's so many different ways to find great replens that, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you can really let your personality kind of dictate your schedule and personality and how you like to spend your time researching. Some people like to get out. I, these are the, the strangest people in our community to me, the ones that's kind of like on the on the edge of the bell curve, right? <laughs> the ones that's like, I'd love just to go to the store in five hours in the same store and just you yeah. know, like, what? <laughs> the manager looks at you 40 times and you just don't care. You got your headphones on and like, yeah, I'm just, I'm making some shopping decisions and then put the headphones back on and go. I don't get that, but some people love it. Uh, so I, yeah. All I do like types. a break, you know, getting out in the store I do it differently. I already have my list ready to go when I go out into the store. You know, my local mm-hmm. grocery store, I've got a number of replens there. So, you know, if I'm tired of being on the computer for several hours that day, then, you know, I'll take my daily shipments to the post office and, you know, I'll go to the grocery store and source, but I already know what I'm getting with right. the exception of I'll check out the clearance aisle. But yeah. 
And, and we've I, got I do a, like a variety. We've got a shared spreadsheet for our team. So there's like eight of us. Anytime you're out shopping, getting stuff for your personal, whatever, here's the shared Google Doc that has what we need right now and what which stores it's predominantly at. Like, oh yeah, they've got those back in stock now. Clear the shelf. We need 24 of those and they've got 18 mm-hmm. here. I'm grabbing them all, right? Uh, put it on the spreadsheet. Now everyone knows we've got a few heading in. It's it's pretty cool system that we've developed over the years to just kind of, I like the lifestyle integration of the sourcing. Where mm-hmm. it's, it's super flexible. Um, you always got to be chipping away at it, but it doesn't have to be the same routine every day. You know, like you said, you get tired of the computer. I'm going to hop in the car, go do some shopping, and pick up some of my replens on my list while I'm out. To it's it's really cool how it just kind of all starts to integrate and blend. I enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah. Well, keep your story going. So you started using Prep Center. It slowed you down a little mm-hmm. bit in February, which is just a few months ago as we're recording this. Yeah. So how do you but- swing out of that into March? By March, I jumped back up and so, you know, sales went up and then, you know, May and June, I've been hovering just underneath that $30,000 a month. You know, I've got 30 days where I exceed 30,000, but you know, my calendar month has, isn't calendar quite month. there. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's been good. And then I'm, you know, it seems like I, I have a pattern of, I hit a number and then I plateau there for three months and then I hit another number and I plateau there for three months. So I'm in like the third month of where I'm at. So hopefully uh, yeah. next month is the big jump. Oh, that's so. And that's very typical. You kind of step back, you automate, you use some new resources. You, maybe you build your team. A couple of questions that are pressing to me right now is, is it is it still just you and the prep center or do you have other help at this point? Anyone else doing some of the legwork? I do have a VA that I'm using and then Good. I also have a shared VA with another group. So it's not a leads list per se, but we have a VA that's sourcing just for us and it's a smaller smaller group, if you will. Those kind of Um, relationships can become very valuable. Yeah, mm -hmm. just kind of the organic, make a point of contact, have the conversation, start doing this together. You know, people will will share ASINs in small groups, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Like go pick these. I get texts all the time and send texts all the time to different folks that I'm close with, like, hey, yeah, if you if you happen to have this store near you, go clear these out and there it's a great ASIN right now, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I can be very valuable. I'm glad you Yeah. And I th- I think that's one of the the great things about the Proven Conference is, you know, last year when I went, I met a really good friend and we continued the business relationship through. And then this year was my second year and, you know, made several good relationships this time. And so now I've got a mastermind group that's going really well and some other smaller groups that, you know, and we are, we're texting and messaging back and forth and, and, you know, helping each other build our businesses. So, you know, that's really a great part of the community is that networking. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can do at the Proven Conference. And, you know, it, some might think, oh, that's a nice icing on the cake. You know, some good friends and people to do the business with. I'm like, no, that's actually vital if you're going to survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Having watched this for a long time, the lone wolves tend to drift away, get frustrated, and end up not having anyone they can lean on when things are weird, strange, or difficult. Uh, and they kind of drift away. But the people who very intentionally are relationship-focused not only do they survive, but they tend to be the ones that really rise to the top. And, and you know, our, I hear it in leader after leader, coach after coach on our team. Like, yeah, the mastermind, I couldn't have done it without the group, without the friends I made at the conference, without the people that I've reached out to in those weekly Zooms. And sometimes we don't even talk about business. It's just, you know, having other people who get it and who are on the same journey, uh, that camaraderie. And it sounds like it's really paid off for you. You found some great connections. 
I love that you uh, gave some kudos to the the conference as well. If you don't mind, just spend a minute. You talked about some of the people you connected with there. It, does anything specifically, and we didn't prepare for this, but does anything stand out to you from our recent conference that, uh, that maybe changed the way you're going to do things or some takeaways? I think for me this year, I was much more, I knew what I wanted out of the conference where last year, my first year, I was so green that, you know, my Mm. just eyes wide open and absorbing everything. And this year I was very intentional. Mm. You know, I made sure that I talked with, you know, almost all of the vendors at the tables and, you know, got some things from those, those sources. I got more out of the, the classes because I knew I had a better idea of what I wanted to learn and from whom. Mm-hmm. Um, just some great nuggets that came out of some of those sessions. And, you know, there's there's just some really strong people in the community. And, and again, they're willing to share what they know. So, yeah. you know, whether it was bundling or the OA or, you know, different topics that uh, it, it was... I got a lot more out of the content this year in addition to just all of the relationship building, which I think the relationship building is the most important part of it. But, um, but yeah, I, and I came out of the conference with, you know, you know, here's my goals. And so I've got several things that, that I want to do, but yeah. uh, Action items for sure. Yeah. I think we all walk away with a crazy list. It takes us about two weeks to recover from a conference, just the stuff that, you know, we, we got to go start doing this now. I've got to talk to that person as soon as possible, kind of stuff that just like kind of fills, but it's all such great stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You plan to come to uh, Orlando in 2024? Yeah. I'm already signed up. So. Are you? Awesome. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. Good. Yeah. we. I couldn't believe we had over 200 people at the event say, yeah, I'm coming next year. I'm paying right now. Let's go. So we had a <laughs> special offer at the event and I was hoping, you know, internally, I was hoping 30 to 50 people would help us kind of get the the budget rolling for next year. Over 200 people signed up. Our VIP is nearly sold out before we even released the tickets. So it was pretty awesome, yeah. uh, the response. I'm glad you're going to be there. So that's the dates are May 23rd through 25th, 2024 in Orlando, Florida. Get to theprovenconference.com to get details. Yeah, Heather, I've heard from so many people who are there that have locked in or fully intend as soon as tickets go on sale. It was a great event. And uh, yeah, thanks for giving us a little feedback, your perspective on it. Another question that we can't let too much time slide before I hit is we haven't talked at all about your margins. I, I want to make sure that we're, we're real accurate on, you know, how's that look and how profitable is this business? So those are some great sales figures. And if you're following the training, I know about where your numbers should be typically based mm-hmm. on averages, but how are your numbers looking as far as profitability? Yeah, they're, they're never as good as you want them to be. Most months I'm typically, you know, after after all expenses and I've got a heavy software burden. I know I have a lot of tools and I like I like my tools and mm-hmm. that's a, you know, so I've got a heavy burden. I have, you know, I use Jeff Schick for legal support right. helps with my IP claims, et cetera. So, you know, my margins are usually between 14 and 18% after all expenses, prep center fees, et cetera. Right. Um, so I'd like that to be a little higher. I do need to yeah. do some trimming of my tools, but no, I know the tools that's not, are necessary. That's to help not me bad those. at all. I mean, you're 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 putting, you know, five six thousand in the bank after everything's said and done. But a lot of those are fixed costs that aren't going to go up mm-hmm. as you scale. They're one right. you know, keep a cost the same whether you're selling a million a month or you're selling five hundred dollars a month. It doesn't keep as the same price. So a lot of these tools are kind of the, the, it's this foundation. And so you're you are going to see your profit, your net margin climb mm-hmm. as you scale to 50, 60, 80. 
but you're also going to see it kind of level out again because you're going to be adding a team as you free up your time. So right. the way my business runs is I'm thrilled with 15, 20% net margin. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal because I don't lift a finger. Right. <laughs> right? My team's right. doing everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I get to check in on the process, check the numbers, make suggestions, tweak the training, tweak the tools here and there. But it's it's completely hands-free, which is replens allows you to build a model that does that. Every piece of it can be handed off to someone of competence who just kind of does the same thing every day mm-hmm. with with competence and accuracy. And you've built a beautiful machine that kind of runs itself, including sourcing new ASINs constantly. It's a beautiful system. That's what I really love about it. That's what resonated with me. I love systems. I love, you know, you put in X, you get out X times mm-hmm. three. It just, we've built a beautiful system and, and that's what this is. Uh, so those margins, I think that's phenomenal. As long as you're okay with it, that really is a lot of stability. Yeah, like you said, it could be higher. Uh, the price of some of the software you're using, like TA is not cheap, for example, but it sounds like it's paying for itself. So I think you're just, on a, you know, my observation is you just keep finding more ASINs. You're going to be at 50, 60, 80 a month before you know it. And the expenses aren't going to go up a whole lot. Right. That, you know, that you got some nice numbers now. Yeah. My target is to be at that 50 to 60 range by the end of the year yeah, and sustain that through past Q4, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, depending on what types of products you're getting, and part of the beauty, as you know, Heather, part of the beauty of replens is it's boring stuff people buy year round. That's mm-hmm. the beauty of it. So there's no reason to suspect 2024, January is going to be a dip that's going to sustain, right. right? Just like it did this year. Mm-hmm. Boring stuff keeps on selling. What's your plans for Q4 this year? Are you going to get into toys, a little uh, you know, seasonal type stuff to give it a little boost? Or are you going to just be slow and steady, plow forward? Oh, you know, 90% slow and steady, right? I dabble in a little bit of toys, but you know, I'll do some toys and games that I can probably flip FBM and just do a little bit of that. But mm-hmm. it was, you know, it's it's interesting going through this process because you know, as I've listened to probably 150 or 200 of your podcast, thanks to my drive to and from Indiana, I've heard you say a lot of things over and over again, but until I really experienced them, it's like, oh, and one of those light bulbs is in Q4, everything just sells more. So that shampoo that you sell 10 units of a month now, right. you're going to sell 20 of them or 15 yeah. of them a month yeah. in, in Q4. So, you know, yeah. I think making sure I have a good plan to ramp up inventory so that I have enough, I'm not stocking out of those bread and butter ASINs, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, then on top of that, you know, with the online sourcing, making sure I'm taking advantage, full advantage of the, those opportunities that are there. But um, yeah, just having enough, you know, a, even more, a wider uh, breadth of ASINs and then making sure the inventory is deep enough on those. Yeah. Category wise, I know you usually ask this, but my top categories, and I was a little surprised when I really got into the numbers in inventory lab you know, between grocery, beauty, and health and beauty, those are my top three categories. And my grocery was a little higher than I thought it would be. That's primary, my RA stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, over 50% of my business is in those three categories. Wow. So, okay. yeah. So I do think one of the things I want to do is try to diversify that a little bit more. Sure. Um, and uh, you do need merchant fulfilled grocery? A little bit. Usually if it's something that is a little inside of the date range, then I'll FBM it. Mm -hmm. I did a ton of seasonal beverage kind of products in Q4 last year that I just couldn't get enough of. I would do the 
the BOPIS model where, you know, I buy online, pick up in store, and I would, you know, run to every target and pick up this ASIN and just, I could sell them as fast as I could, but there wasn't enough time to send them into FBA. So, you know, yeah, I'm not afraid of that at all. I, I've got daily eBay packages. I sell in Walmart a little bit. Now I started that in April. So there's packages going out every day. So if there's a few more, I'm okay with that. That's cool. Yeah. Well, for those who aren't afraid to play around in grocery and they're willing to do a little bit of merchant fulfill, I've heard from a handful of people, including someone at the conference who was doing hundreds of thousands of dollars per month of groceries merchant fulfilled, just hitting the sales hard mm-hmm. because they had an advantage. They could get their inventory listed so much faster than any of the FBA sellers. So they're getting in and out of ASINs quickly. Not really a true replens model, but it just shows how expansive these concepts are once you understand them. So when Kroger has a buy one, get three free, whatever, crazy special, you just send out a team of shoppers, get as many of you can get your hands on that thing and you list them that day and you've sold them by the end of the week because your price is so great on the hottest ASINs for those products. And then you're done with it within a week or two. And then all the FBA inventory shows up two weeks later where everyone like, oh, a sale. I'm going to send this in (laughs) FBA. Well, now you and all 80 of your friends did the same thing and it's too late. Uh, So it's kind of a timing, get in, get out thing, but it sounds Mm -hmm. like you're comfortable playing with that a little bit. So maybe just as an idea for you, it doesn't have to just be Q4 on the, you know, the soda with Santa Claus face on it is flying off the shelf. You know, it can be year round if you're hitting the, you know, the best sales and all those sales are cyclical. You know, the same stuff goes on sale every three months at the same stores kind of thing. And once you know those patterns, that's a whole business model right there. Get a team of shoppers and that can be automated. Anything be automated and systemized, it gets me excited. And so that model's fun. I think we might be creating some content around that concept as well, as well as the discontinued products. we got some content coming on that. That's an exciting model. If you know what's about to be discontinued and you see the hot ASINs that discontinued product is heading towards and you anticipate buy and hold for a couple months, suddenly you're the only one with inventory and a really smoking hot ASIN. Yeah, that's fun too. So those kind of concepts, it's just, again, it's so expansive, but that's the stuff that, as your time frees up, you can decide, do I want to snap that strategy into my business and you know, sign someone on my team to focus on that? And that's the kind of stuff that's coming in your future, I think. Yeah, I think I'm definitely ready for a shopper. So you know, that may be one of the next things I do because I definitely have my normal replans, but I do have those sales plans that my grocery store has this sale every four weeks and I have to buy a lot. And my mother came into town last weekend. And after we went to, you know, five of the same grocery store and bought the same cart full of stuff, you know, and cleared the shelves in each of those stores, she was just, she just kind of gave me that look, you know, the the people who don't know anything about Amazon, they give you that look like, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. So I'm ready to, uh, you know, get a shopper and let someone else help me with that. Yeah. And you know, as a systems person, you've run manufacturing plants. And when I'm teaching people to start to think this way, this is instinctual to you, Heather. I'm not teaching you anything new, but anytime something is repetitive, it, you need to, to build a system around it and let someone specialize in doing just and stop doing it yourself as a leader. If it's repetitive and you're doing the same thing every day at the same time, the same way, like, okay, that needs to be somebody else's job. <laughs> we need a system for that. The guy in charge of the company isn't the one that does anything repetitive every day. They say, that's a job. You show up, Mm -hmm. you do it with excellence. The guy at the top is 
you know, if you're, you're running your own company, you're the one that has to like adjust to the winds of change and anticipate. And, you know, that's your role, not the, okay, I got to go hit the seven stores. Yeah. You need a shopper. A hundred percent echo that sentiment that you just expressed of, you know, that's repetitive stuff, you know, that's kind mm-hmm. of mindless stuff. And you can say, oh, I'm doing listening to my podcast and it's, it's, you know, it's good time, but, but paying someone else to do it with excellence and to really make it, that's their job now. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll get it done so much better, faster, cheaper than you ever will, and it frees up your mind space to to tackle the bigger the bigger issues. Absolutely, uh, and but my first hire, and you've already just to be clear, and you've already kind of covered this. But when people say, "Hey, Jim, what's your first hire?" and you've heard me say this before, Heather, should be someone that goes out and finds new aces. That's where your money goes first. If you got some profit and you want to put it back into your business, where do I put it? You you don't hire somebody to put tape on boxes, in my opinion. You hire someone to go find more ASINs, get someone else trained on finding good winning inventory. That way, you're hiring people that find more margin for your business instead of just creating convenience for your schedule. Which sounds like yeah. you've done. Yeah, I have. I I would you know just add the caveat to that that you have to make sure that yourself as a seller, you know how to source really well first oh, because. Thank you for you know, clarifying. My experience with the VA is that it's it's still a continuing training process. Absolutely. She's had a certain amount of training, but mm-hmm. I've got to be able to source well first so that I can teach her yes. how I want her to source and different methods and keep expanding yeah. her. No one's going to care about that part of your business more than you do. No one's going to outperform yeah. you more than you're capable of in that part of your business. You've got to be the one driving that, hitting that home. I'd like to think that any given day, you could take anyone on my team and put them head to head with me on finding winning replans and I would win the competition every time. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've stayed at the cutting edge of how, what's a good ASIN, what meets our qualification standards, where do we find them, how do I find more of them? If you're not good at that, there's not going to be anyone on your team that's better than you are at that. Yeah, I agree. So, hey, I, haven't met, I haven't met that business <clears throat> yet. A lot of people think, yeah, I just want to push a few buttons and automate it. And, and some of these services even popped up. Heather's like, yeah, you know, you give us... Thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. We'll set up your whole business, including finding profitable inventory, et cetera. Like, no, run. There's a reason why there's no community of excited, happy, successful people who have followed that model to success on Amazon because it doesn't work, right? Plenty yeah, I, I met someone uh, when I was doing consulting. Yeah, this guy's like, I have a friend, and he wants to get into Amazon, and and so I talked to this guy, and he he was talking to one of these companies, and I gave him that advice. You know, you, no, just run. You need to learn to do it yourself. You know, gave him the pack course information, et cetera. And I, I'm not sure what path he ever ended up on, but uh, I hope he didn't go down that one. So yeah, that whole just give us thirty to fifty thousand dollars, we're going to do it for you. Those companies rise and fall so fast. It's such an easy thing to sell. And it's virtually impossible to deliver to the point yeah. where maybe one out of a hundred customers end up with something, you know, close to a decent investment. The rest are just upset, angry, and wish they'd never touched it. It's it's really bad odds. It's worse odds than jumping into private label as a new seller. I'll tell you that. At least some of them, five percent or so of those guys end up making some money with the done for you. I it, it can't be higher than one percent success rate. Uh, for paid client, it's just it's disastrous because yeah. the point we're making you got to get good at finding winning inventory, and that's where your roots, Heather, as an eBay seller, really come come into play. It's the eBay days. It's like not everything's necessarily going to sell. You use some instincts, you use some tools. You you want to you don't just go buy everything. Not everything is going to sell. So we're used to that process of kind of being picky about our inventory, and we know is as we've said for twenty years around here, you make your money when you buy your inventory. 
you're not going to market your way out of stupid decisions. <laughs> so you right. better be careful what you're buying. And you're the one at the top of the business being very cautious about what inventory makes its way into our door, you know, because we got to be confident we can flip that or at least get our money back. And that's where the replens model has been the, the most beautiful model I've ever seen in my 20 years plus of e-commerce at your worst case scenario is you can at least get your money back. Not so with eBay. There's plenty of things I bought at eBay yard sales that ended up in my garage and never turned into money. They <laughs> <laughs> ended up in my own yard sale selling for half the price I paid, right? It happens all the time. But the beauty of replens is you're fairly confident. Like, this thing's moving. And I'm pretty sure my worst case scenario over 60 days is break even. So let's go. Let's play with this thing. See if yeah. it pops. And definitely, you know, what you teach about an inch deep and a mile wide has helped me a lot over this yeah. this past year, year and a half when I've been, you know, learning as you, you learn as you go with this, right? And not every buy is a good one. And, you know, you're going to have some of those where you have to, you know, sell it at break even because it didn't didn't move. But, um, you know, you get better at that over time. And then, you know, just to reemphasize Keepa again, I don't buy any single thing without looking at a Keepa chart. Yeah. No matter what my sourcing method, where I find it, if I can't see a keep a chart, I won't buy it. Yeah, yeah, I I absolutely agree. Where we've learned, and you learned to see some creative things that maybe the the novice can't see on Keepa over time, but hundred percent rely on Keepa to make our inventory buying decisions, and we never go more than a month deep on anything ever. There's no reason to, no reason to take that risk. But what if the discount's really good, Jim? I don't care. I don't care what the discount is. I'm not going to buy six months worth of anything because a few weeks in, here comes a bigger, badder seller than you buying 10,000 units for pennies on the dollar what you paid. Mm -hmm. And there you are sitting on inventory that you're going to struggle to get rid of. So we never go more than a month's worth of anything ever. Is there anything on your mind, any questions for me, anything on your list that we didn't hit that you'd like to to get out there uh, captured on this episode? You know, I think... One thing I would like to just kind of emphasize for some of the newer sellers and people that are getting started is, you know, just move forward, you know, go buy the product, send it in, see what happens. You're going to learn as you go, you know, stick with that inch deep, mile wide, and, you know, you can make little mistakes along the way and learn. I think if anything, one of my weaknesses has been at least in my mind, that sometimes I don't make the move quick enough, you know, whether that's been a VA or a prep center or, you know, certain things. So, you know, just keep pushing forward and you'll be surprised how much it compounds as you go. And, um, you know, another point is I think if you are going to get into OA, you've got to take some time with those tools. It, I would say it took me a good three months before I felt like I was competent, you know, with tactical arbitrage and don't give up too quickly. I see a lot of people that will get into whatever model you're doing. And if it doesn't work in five minutes, then you move on to the next thing. But uh, right. selling on Amazon is, it's a lot of work. It's easy in concept, but it's a lot of hard work and you've got to be very disciplined about it. You know, one of the things that works for me, because to me, my main my main thing is is sourcing. So am I meeting my spend goals so that I can get those sales? And for me to do that, I have to be very disciplined. So for me, that means I get out of bed, I get a cup of coffee, and I go sit at the computer and I start sourcing. And, you know, I do that for several hours. You know, if I pass my spend goal by nine o'clock, then I go do something else. If I don't, then I sit there till lunchtime and I keep working. Oh, so you do take that so, approach. I love that. Many successful sellers do. I'm going to spend $1,000 on good inventory before mm-hmm. I get up. 
from this mm-hmm. chair or before I come home, right? So yes. yeah, it's interesting to me. I never really took that approach. I would, I'd more look at like a, at a week, like, hey, have we spent enough this week yet? Okay, time to buy some more inventory. Or, but it's been a while since I had to think through either. Because again, I've got my team running those that part of my business, mm-hmm. but we're constantly finding new ASINs every day. That part I am committed to. How many new ASINs did we find today? That's a metric I really track. For me, I can tend to be a procrastinator if I don't make sure that I'm very self-disciplined. So that's why I have a daily goal for myself. And it doesn't mean I'll buy bad inventory just to make my number. Some days I walk away and I haven't met that goal, but I need to go on and do the other tasks. But for the week, I need to make it up. But if I just do a weekly goal for me, I can tend to push it off and push it off. And then it's Sunday night and I need to spend $5,000 and uh, you know it's mm-hmm. not there. So yeah. if I were managing a team doing that, then I'm a little more flexible as far as weekly goals. Yeah. Those are great tips. I think this is a very practical list that you've put together. And, and I didn't mean to interrupt it. Is there anything else on that list? Any other points you wanted to make or anything else to discuss as we wrap this one up? No, I think I'm good, Jim. Yeah, well, great. Th- this was a tremendous episode. Do you ever feel like you're on a leadership track around here in our community? Has that thought ever occurred to you? Definitely. You know, over time, you know, I could definitely see myself being a coach at some point in time. I'm not ready yet, but you know, down the road, that could be an opportunity. And I just love it, you know, especially with the networking and I, I love helping others. So it's great when we can put our heads together and we can help each other through problems. And uh, I, I do really enjoy that. That's probably the favorite part of my career is leading teams. And I had a lot of training in servant leadership, which I've heard you talk about a lot. And well. um, yeah, so definitely just sitting by myself at a computer is not my end goal. So yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, I, it, it's exciting for me to hear that because I think that's the track you're on. Very competent. And you know, there's, there's something about leaders who have been crushed at some point, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just whatever life crushes you with and mm-hmm. have come through to continue building. Like, give me 10 of those people any day and I'll yeah. change the world. Because, you know, this, you know, full of confidence and accomplishment and never really been crushed leaders, they're a little unpredictable. And sometimes it becomes about them and they can drift easily into ego territory. But the, the, the servant leader, like you mentioned, putting others first, sacrificial, and then getting crushed at some point by circumstances beyond your control. In many cases, other times it was mistakes. It doesn't really matter. But just having felt the pain of, how hard it can be, and then stepping back into achievement and leading, but like that overcomer mentality mixed with a servant-minded leader, and you know something I've been studying, Heather. You'll appreciate this, and hopefully some of the listeners will as well. But I'm pretty sure there's no difference between serving well and leading well. It's the same thing. There's no delineation. The words are interchangeable, almost right. So it, it, right. for people who that starts to make sense, like I want to be on team with those people. Who gets credit for this? What we just accomplished? No one cares. It serves us all well. Let's move forward. Who whose idea was this anyway? Doesn't matter. Who cares? You know, the tide raises all ships. Let's go. Let's keep cranking out good content. Let's keep helping each other out. Uh, Let's keep growing. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.